Hello and welcome back to Turf Talk. It's a Cheltenham Festival Jock Toss special. I'm not going to fanny around with doing an intro. So I'll kick things off. First of all, as per usual, joined by Mr James Watson. How are we, pal? Hello, doing really well. Just a, f- a few more days until the big day sets off. So full of excitement and looking forward to recording this. Yeah, how much time have I spent talking to you this week? It's far too much that's healthy for either of us. I'm sick of the sight of you. I can't, I can't, well, not the sight because we don't see each other, but I'm sick of hearing your dulcet tones. Oh, I. Oh, I. I'm never bored of you, lad. Uh, <laughs> we're joined again by a man who won his first appearance on Joktoff, beating Adam Wood in a head bob by saying Big Z instead of Cracksman. If Will Kajani's back, how are we, Will? Very pleased to be here and honoured as always. Are you going to defend the title? Lord, no. No. Absolutely <laughs> <laughs> not. As per usual, we're joined by a, a bit of a, I guess probably a, a veteran of the racing podcasting world and social media content creator, Michael Andrews, are we, mate? <laughs> I like that. I'll take that as an intro. Absolutely, yeah. A veteran, though. I suppose I have been on Twitter for a bit too long. No, I guess um, that's why I don't tweet so much. Yeah, no, good to be aboard and uh, excited for this new format. I'm uh, slightly gutted I didn't invent it myself, so well done, lads. <laughs> oh, we didn't invent it, we just ripped off fighting talk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and from the Hit the Pulse podcast, uh, Racing with Mike, are we, Mike? Oh, I'm alright, cheers for having us on. Looking forward to oh. trying to defer on Will. Oh, I, yeah, if, if you've not listened to Jock Tough before, uh, we'll run through eight, eight questions. The lads have to come up with amusing, accurate answers. Just impress me, make me smile, make it be something I agree with. Uh, I give points to who I like more, whose answers I like best. And whoever wins the most points wins nothing. Uh, so we'll kick off with the first question. And it starts off the Cheltenham Festival. So we'll start off with the Cheltenham Raw. The festival usually kicks off with that famous Raw. But what is the best sound in racing? James, you're up first, pal. Um, personally, when there's a photo finish at a race course, the anticipation of that that period of time between the horses passing the finishing line and the the weight of the announcer to shout over the tannoy, that certain number, and there's no better sound in racing when the man over that tannoy all of a sudden, it says the same number as the horse that you've backed. And genuinely, that is the best sound that I think there is on any race course around the country. If you've backed the winner of that race and it's just in a photo finish, there's nothing better. I like that, mate. I like that. Do you have any examples of when that's happened with yourself? Um, well, I, <laughs> I have an example when there was a steward's inquiry after the race where the trusty ding-dong uh, went off at first race course and I'd backed a horse that came second and luckily the places were reversed but silly me had decided to chuck my ticket in the bin because I thought <laughs> um, I thought that he was beaten fair and square and then looking at the replays maybe I thought maybe I shouldn't have chucked it in so then I was with quite a few members of my family so there were six of us all crowded crowded round a bin uh, all <laughs> looking for this one ticket of a Richard Fahey two-year-old 
um, that eventually won at a decent price. And we eventually found the ticket all screwed up and covered in Guinness. But that at that moment probably stands highest for me. We keep it classy here on Turf Talk. <laughs> as always. As always. I like that you said Trusty Ding Dong as well. That sounds like the name of something that's running around shouting. Uh, before we move on to Wilkajani. Um, this is a really good question, and I've actually got a couple of answers, which shows you just how pre- prepared I am to defend my title. Um, firstly, actually, I would say this isn't unique to the Cheltenham Raw. I think the Raw at the start of any big meeting is probably one of the best sounds in racing. Um, but I'll also go for, seeing as we're in the peak week of National Hunt, um, I'm just going to go for the sound of horses jumping flies and fences. Um, especially with cavalry charges early on. Um, maybe, I don't know if it's the sound or something. Um, we've got really good sound nowadays, but if you go back on YouTube and you see, um, you watch back some of the old Supreme Novice Hurdles, um, proper 24, 26 runner affairs. Um, <laughs> ironic given we've got eight, um, starting the festival <laughs> on Tuesday. Uh, and, it is some sights um, to see them all fly over the first, and really is some sound too. Fair enough, mate. Fair enough, Michael. What about you, pal? Uh, I, I, I've got a few. I've, I've really gone to town on this question because, as, as Will said, it's actually quite a good one. Um, so I've got a bit of a soundboard. So I'm just going to like lead them into each one um, and and play them off, and I might have to get um, one of you to edit it in. Um, but my first gut instinct was um, I actually like didn't read this question right. I read it as if what sound should be played instead of the Cheltenham <laughs> Roar. So I've just got a few options um, that I think are really good. Now, anyone who's a big fan of Radio 1, I think will probably understand what this noise is. But I think we should celebrate what it would be like if um, the Cheltenham Festival was played like 3,000 years ago. You know, say, you know, when the people that are now mummified... Um, were, were <laughs> so I just thought this would be really good. Like they're coming into line. <laughs> I don't know if anyone knows what that is, but that is they recreated the mum. What the mummies? What the mummies would say three thousand years ago? That was um, and I think that would be going. Well, go on, you know. I can't even think what horse is running it. Go on, appreciate it. That was them getting really roared up and fired up. So I just thought that would be really good instead of the Cheltenham roar. Um, and then other options was when I actually read the question correctly, um, is I thought it'd be really good if Peter Casey was there. Like what what was the best sound in the fucking sex I just I just think that would be really good. Um and then I also thought we couldn't we couldn't exclude a bit of Simon Holt um in full kind of orgasm mode as he commentates. Oh, it's <laughs> so I thought, I thought I'd give you a few options there. I definitely think I'd like to hear the mummy noise at the start. Um, just, you know, when my, um, John has always leaves that gap saying they're off and then, he, you know, you hear the roar. If we just said, mm, I think that, I think. <laughs> they're off. <laughs> Do you know what? As, 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 uh, we could be doing this podcast for about 10 years and I didn't think we'd ever get a question. Uh, where one of the answers was about mummification. <laughs> did you know what? Did you recognise the sound? Did you actually heard it before? Because it's yeah, yeah, it was trending like a year or so ago, wasn't it? It was like really popular. 
Yeah, I remember. I feel like Greg James. He definitely has his own soundboard where he just has that playing whenever he needs to cheer someone up. <laughs> Fantastic, mate. Uh, Mike, what about you, pal? I don't think I can compete with that, can I? <laughs> um, I thought that when Jim was on about a felt ill finish, he was going to say Derek Thompson. And now I'm kind of disappointed that I didn't say Derek Thompson screaming photo, even though one horse has clearly beaten the other by half a length. Um, the answer that I came up with after deliberating for many hours on this was blogger screaming lift him at every single odds on jolly that he's backed. I just think it's quite amusing to see him sitting there in a book. He's filming himself screaming and then his four to nine shot gets beaten by a 10 to one. If, we, if we're doing this, though, we we got to bring the Steve Palmer um bbc documentary back um especially this will not be beaten oh yeah <laughs> oh that's just that was just my immediate first thought there's just going to be a lot of clips edited in here edited <laughs> in here of just everyone's funniest moments do you have any audio of you scrabbling through a bin gym so we can edit that in as well um i'm sure it can be arranged I know out of the ordinary for you lad Uh, moving on to the second question Uh, Kim Kardashian announced she was splitting up with Kanye West last month who would best fit the description of the Kanye West of racing this is my favourite question I have ever written because your answer on it solely depends on what you think of Kanye West it's got to be so funny to hear what racing with Mike says first uh, well, there are plenty of avenues you can go down with this one, aren't they? But um, I decided to go down the angle that he's kind of annoying and loves himself. And for that reason, I'm comparing Matt Chapman to Kanye West. Um, you don't have to go very far down through Kanye West's tweet, Twitter feed to see the absolute waffle that he spouts, like, empathy is the glue. Um, <laughs> you also don't have to go very far down Matt Chapman's Instagram feed to see a photo of himself and his daughter with the caption behind the eyes the stories are hidden hashtag model <laughs> I'd say that Kanye loves himself because he ran for president and voted himself for president which he tweeted out shortly after and Chapman obviously loves himself because he can't go 30 seconds without interrupting anyone on a, Ch- on a Cheltenham preview you can also, read into this what you will, but you can probably compare Chapman's bromance with Oshin to the Kanye and Jeffree Star rumours as well. <laughs> oh, Mike. Mike. Uh, very, very fair shout. Michael Andrews, what, who are you saying, mate? Uh, I don't know if I can compete with that. Um, uh, I, the thing is, the interesting about Chapman's story is, you know, all those pictures are actually taken on. He doesn't actually ask anyone. I know it's very COVID secure, but this was beforehand. He actually has his own little mount where he, he, he as he takes it. So he's got this nice little green little stand so he can take his selfies on. So it looks like someone else has taken them. Just a fun little behind the scenes fact for you there. Um, <laughs> Let's get Chapman on the next yacht off. They should, they should, they should definitely do a like, how was it made kind of documentary on, on Jappers and his social media presence. Um, this question, uh, so I'm not really familiar with Kanye West. I thought he was the one that sung, um, about, you know, on the Monday, the Tuesday, the Wednesday, the Thursday, the Friday, the Saturday, and then they chilled on Sunday. But I, I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think not. so, um, I did a bit of Googling. Um, and he seems to be married to um, someone a little bit out of his league, would you say? Is that about right? Or at least, you know, she. I, from what I've seen of her pictures, she has to have bigger chairs anyway. 
Um, so I'm not, I'm not 100. percent So I thought, what's a horse that had to go that has been to a horse that's above him? So I've gone with him being elusive Pimpernel, who was very lucky to have a ride on Snow Fairy. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, so that's that's what I've gone with. I don't really know who this man is, so we're just gonna have to play that that makes sense with you all. Um, and I thought Snow, I think oh, I can't remember the horse's name that um, she produced. Oh, Belle de Neige, uh, girl of the snow. I think that's what it means. Um, and uh, ran once, and I think finished last. So I'm sure. Is there one of the um, the West kids that are a little bit not very talented? Perhaps you could <laughs> find a link in there. <laughs> I'm giving you bonus points for thinking Kanye West was Craig David anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most I've laughed on this show. Uh, Will, what about you, mate? So, leave it to a black person to suggest a white person in place of Kanye West, but I'm going to go for Bob Baffert. Um, <laughs> my, my thinking with this is basically that um, Bob Baffert is highly controversial um at times almost verging on illegal if not actually just basically illegal and also depending on how you define it just wildly successful and he's probably about the only person in racing i could think of that that matches um to all that plus also he's got the added bonus of being american for this um which knocked out quite a few of the other contenders chapman included for me Fair enough, Will, I can see it, I can see it. Jimbo, who are you saying, bud? From what I know of Kanye West, he likes to spend a lot of unnecessary money on unnecessary things that probably don't <laughs> cost that much amount. I know he's going to, I know, I know you're on. And the man who does that in racing is Darren Yates. Um, <laughs> he spends an awful a lot amount of money and I thoroughly appreciate what he does for the sport, but What's what does what, 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 what <laughs> Darren Yates do for the spot? Has, well, has he had a winner yet with his two million? Carlos no. Felix has won Don't on the spot. Don't a point to point. Oh, he won a point to point. Okay, because those, didn't those three horses cost him 1.6 million? Flat Lions, I think he's just finished from when he ran over three miles the other day. <laughs> um, Interconnected got beat by a Venetia Williams uh, unknown type um, so yeah I, for me the only likely comparison I can give is Darren Yates to Kanye West also with Mike's case I think Chapman and Kanye West have a very similar dress sense um, certainly <laughs> unique in that aspect um, but for me it's Darren Yates That's a very very fair shot mate if I were to go for I'd have picked a horse I'd have said the Aussie sprinter Shaltaqua who was sorry, a sorry. Gene... sorry just just say that again. <laughs> you know, do you remember Shao Takwa, the that Aus- Australian uh, spinner who was brilliant but also mental? Yeah, yeah, I've never heard of that horse. Just, just say it one more time. Shao <laughs> Takwa, that's how you say it, isn't it? Michael, can we have a connect, correct pronunciation, please? Shatakwa. <laughs> That was great. Sorry, I couldn't let that go. Could not. <laughs> You've just saved that clip to your soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Oh. There's too many vowels. Let me off. Uh, <laughs> points at the minute. They're going up in twos. Will's got five. Jim's got seven. Mike's on nine. Michael is in the lead on 11. 
Uh, and Will is starting this one off. It's if you could replace Harry and Meghan in the royal family with two figures from racing, who would you be picking? This is going to sound very obvious, but it's for the right reasons. Um, it's Tom McQuand and Holly Doyle. Um, and honestly, the answer, it just sort of answers itself, really. Um, he says, looking desperately towards his encyclopedia to learn how to speak English again. Um, but in Harry and Meghan, you had two people who improved, I think, the standing of the royal family with their younger peers. And in Holly Marquand, or Holly Doyle and Tom Marquand, getting ahead of myself or themselves by two years here, I think you have two people who are very much not only liked within racing, but also liked outside of it, and who probably are improving the standing of the sport, um, both at home and abroad. Um, they're likeable, they're honest, um, everybody wants to see a bit of their private lives as well, so what do I do so well on social media? And long story short, I think um, if racing is represented by them for the next decade or so, it'll be doing well for itself. The royal family spurn that chance, but we won't, um, God willing. Fair enough, mate, fair enough. I like that. Uh, Mike, who are you saying? Uh, well, I wouldn't say I've picked a power couple like that. Um, the Megan replacement I've picked is Benicia Williams, just because she's very posh and wears a lot of fur. I think she'll fit right in with the royal family. <laughs> and like I said, not a power couple, um, but I'd give Harry's spot to Ryan Moore because they've both got a strong dislike of the press. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. It's very, very fair, mate. Jim, what about you, Paul? Now, as soon as you see royalty in racing, um, there's only one name that really springs to my mind, and that's John Gosden. He is racing royalty, and obviously his partner, Rachel Hood, who he runs, uh, obviously has horses with and, uh, and all that. Um, they'd be the perfect replacement for them, too, because I thought everyone would probably say Holly and Tom, because probably they do deserve it, but... I thought that John Gosden is the king of all of racing, in my opinion, and whenever he opens his mouth, everyone listens. Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Uh, and Michael? I, I struggle with this, and I, went, I think I went a little bit more literal than everyone else, and I just tried to think of famous gingers. So um, <laughs> I've, I've, landed on, I've landed on the map with the best acronym ever, Sam Twiston Davis. Uh, as Harry, obviously, uh, if if you didn't get that, that's uh, STD. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, you didn't get that. Sorry, I should say, hopefully, you didn't get that. <laughs> and uh, and I think he's currently dating Nicola Curry, so I think I'm gonna I'm gonna drag her along for the ride. Um, and yeah, so Sam Twiston Davis and Nicola Curry. That's very very fair, mate. That's very very fair. Moving on to the fourth question: What would be a better idea to add to the Cheltenham Festival? Instead of a fifth day, but Michael, you're going again, here, pal. I've got I've got two answers here. I think one of them's a little bit, a little bit too too much, and the other one is uh, not enough. Um, so we go with the one that's not enough. Is um I thought mon- the Monday could be like a hot air balloon festival because there's there's plenty of <laughs> hot air going uh, <laughs> on on the Monday of the festival. Um, that was an idea. I thought they they launched quite well, and I also wondered if we could have a car race, especially if we got Charlie Deutsch involved. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, 
Fair enough. Hot, hot air balloons would would be a good laugh, wouldn't they? Can you race them? Don't they just go upwards? Like, how would you win a I think balloon that, race? I think it's just about catching the the right wind. So I suppose if you're around, if you if you launch off near Chappers, you've got a head start. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you're think, I was thinking like vertically. I think that's going to be an hard hard thing to put a finishing line up there. <laughs> I, I hope, how do you get back down is the question <laughs> one and then you just end up in space oh I oh I no I can see it I can see it Paddy Power would do that wouldn't they uh, Jimbo well instead of a fifth day why don't they just bring it back to three days again and have the higher quality have a higher quality race we've seen with the declarations today of um, day one of the festival that they don't look as high on quality, well, not on quality, but on field size as usual. Instead of just um, inserting an- another day, why don't they just put it back to three days and uh, and keep the quality top notch? Do you want me to actually like have to form an opinion on races instead of just going every odds on shot? Yeah, because that's all you seem to do nowadays. <laughs> That's boring. I can't do that. I won't have a career if it won't for odds on shots. Uh, <laughs> Mike, what about you, buddy? I've got a fantastic idea for this. It's absolutely revolutionary. Um, my idea is a handicap chase over two mile four on the old course for novices rated not to one four five. I don't think it's ever been thought of before, but it sounds like it'd be a proper breeding ground for the class horses to springboard them onto better things. Like, Let's say, if someone won it two years ago, they could be joint second favourite for the Gold Cup right now. <laughs> and last year's winner, they could be vying for favouritism in the Ryanair. I, I just think that it's a great idea, and it'd give horses like Espoir de Rome, a wave of the sea, and Phil's Do Dairy, for example, it'd give them a good chance of festival glory without needing the experience required for the plate. <laughs> That's a brilliant answer. That's a brilliant answer. R.I.P. the novice handicap. We all miss it. It was one of the best races of the meeting. And I will, I'll probably face the wall while the boodles is on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, what are you adding to Cheltenham? Um, this is, this is one of the harder ones. This is one of the harder ones. Um, but you know what? Bear with me here, but an infield. It, like you already sort of have it. There are little tiny tote betting shops that you can go to the infield for, and obviously there's a cross country. Um, but given given how packed the festival is, given the amount of people that go, and given what I think we know the sort of um, broads demographics of the race goers that are there are, especially with quite a few going socially, whether we like it or not. Um, it, it just seems like the perfect place for an infield of some sort, small infield enclosures where people can go and, and be all day and watch from the middle, and then it can be sort of priority access for the cross country or, or, or whatever. Um, and that suggestion is probably going to horrify um, lots of people, but I don't really know what else to say because my hot take is actually that rather than... Um, taking the meeting down to three days we should lose races and have four days um everybody loves the three-day festival and and fair enough but 
it's honestly far too big for me to just have the three days out of it. And my super hot take before I go before we go on to the next question is that you, you think there should be hot air balloons on the fourth day instead. To keep... <laughs> hot air balloons on the fourth day instead. Um, I actually love five day festivals personally, um, but I, I hate the idea of a five day Cheltenham. So lose races and make it four days. Four days of six races with great quality. It is already four days or have I gone into a parallel universe? No, it, it is already four days. Sorry, I'm not making it four days. <laughs> Keep it four days. But but get rid of get rid of the boodles. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah bring can, that obvious handicap and get rid of the boodles. I, I can live with that. I can live with that. Uh, if I was adding one thing to Cheltenham, uh, it would be Lieutenant Rocco. Uh, <laughs> Someone's bitter. <laughs> I'm so mad at this because I could have just said an argument and got 10 points and <laughs> went and did all of that. You did all, you did all of that, KJ, and you decided the festival should be four days. We're halfway through now. It's been, it's been a quick one today. Jim uh, has 10, Will has 11. And it's tight at the top. Michael and Mike joining on 17, playing a bit clear. The two newcomers to jocks off. Should be a good laugh this second half. I'm starting again with Big Jim Watson. What is the most underrated aspect or fact or achievement or thing or anything to do with the Cheltenham Festival? What's the most underrated thing about it? The most underrated thing for me would probably be Denman to finish second three times after winning the Gold Cup and having all his issues, fibrillating heart, to then come back in three consecutive seasons and fin- finish second, I thought was some achievement that probably gets less credit than what people mention him. They always mention him about winning the Hennessy um, when he won the actual Gold Cup. But to finish second with all them issues three times in a row was pretty remarkable for me. And, and that's, that's something that doesn't really get picked up as much as usual. I am, I'm, so, I'm so with you here. A horse that comes second in a lot of, you know, in a championship race at Cheltenham, time and time <laughs> comes after, comes back after injury and still finishes second. I think, you know, and actually did it in four Cheltenham races. I think it's so underrated. I completely agree. He would have feast that would get me out of here, won't he, Michael? Oh, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Could we put Melon no. in that category as well? No, 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 not not on the legendary level of, of them two quite yet, is he, mate? Although, probably do have a little bit of Melon. No, do you know what? I, I don't know whether I'd enjoy Melon winning at Cheltenham and finally getting the monkey off his back more, or whether I enjoy it that is zero from 18 in grade ones. Because it's, 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 not, not many horses have that many goals in grade ones without winning one. You know what I mean? He might even be able to set a record. Can better ring up the Guinness Book of Records. Someone yeah. will know that. Someone will know which horses are in the most grade ones without winning one. I bet Mellon's not a mile off with 18. It'll be 19 come Cheltenham if he gets beat. <laughs> That's far too serious for this sort of show. Uh, will, who are you saying, mate? Or what are you saying? Or which are you saying? Um, one of the festival facts I've always loved um, is the fact that the Guinness-tented village 
um, the structure basically um, is actually the biggest free tier temporary structure in Europe. In all the continents, there's nothing bigger that's that's built apart from the um, huge sort of shopping malls and uh, Guinness Village in the whole of Europe, which, which I just absolutely love reading because it's just one of those crazy, crazy um, things that sounds extremely like Scrooge McDuck. The the other um, f- the other fun fact I have, and this is a very transport nerdery thing, um, but would you guess how many helicopter movements there are per day at the Cheltenham Festival? <laughs> Oh, I don't know, mate. I'd say twenty-five. Is that? Is that? I don't. I, do you know what? I wouldn't know what an average number of helicopter movements would be. It's a hundred each day of the 100. festival. So there you go. Two, two entirely meaningless festival facts for you to enjoy. That's, that's sorry. Can I understand with movements? Is that in and out, or is that one helicopter? I think we really need to dig down into the actual detail of this helicopter um, conundrum. <laughs> is, is it? Is it? Movement does that count as just one helicopter leaving and exiting, or is it does that count as two? I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, you haven't done your research. Oh dear. I I would I would have described a, a helicopter movement anyway as either an entry or an exit, which I think would be fair. So yeah, and I'd I'd, would... I'd I'd say I'd say if you're coming in in an helicopter. It's probably likely that you're you're going back out in one rather than having your mate pick you up in his Fiat Punto outside. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to imagine somebody who'd be extra enough to take a helicopter into Cheltenham and then try to Uber from outside the ticket gates or something. Oh, I. Oh, I. Michael, what about you, mate? Um... Most underrated thing I think about the Cheltenham Festival is the Cornish pasty van. I don't know if anyone has been, but um, our Cornish pasty is not something I have. I, I don't live in Cornwall, um, but, you know, they can be found elsewhere. Um, but I don't have them very often. But when you get there, that those Cornish pasties, I think it's like the real Cornish pasty company or something. Um, oh, it's such a good start to the morning. About 11 o'clock when you get in, it uh, sets you right up for the rest of the day. Um, so I would I would 100% say the Cornish Party Shop is completely underrated, and that is actually what I'm missing most about this year's festival. Look at the Wolf of Wall Street over there being able to afford food at the races. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a fair show. I, I mean, I can't I can't I can't say whether I agree or not because I've never eaten at the races, but uh, I, I'll I'll take your word for it, Michael. It's a fair shout, Mike. What about you, bud? Um. I think that what's underrated about the Cheltenham Festival is the sheer quality of the races. Because, like today, Jim touched on it, um, there's a lot of people disappointed with the field sizes. But you've, I'm personally a big believer in quality over quantity. I think that the amount of horses running is probably a bit lower than usual because owners can't go and have a social day out, can they? But can you imagine if you needed Chacon Poissoir to land a massive acre? and he got brought down at the first fence by Sussex Road or Young Turk, because Atak Sadiq fancied the booze up with the lads. I just think you'd be a bit <laughs> devastated, wouldn't you? Oh, that... I, I don't think anyone would ever get over that, mate. Do you know what? I, I think that'd probably be the spot done with. <laughs> they might suspend his licence after that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, bringing the spot into disrepute, that'd be what that'd be. Uh I, I just have the basic fact that it keeps Tenable off telly for a week. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with Tenable. 
Oh, it's an awful programme. It's because you didn't like the question about the geese. <laughs> it's disgusting. It's the worst show on TV. And they don't... Do you know what's even worse about it now? It's even worse with no studio audience because now they put canned laughter over everything Warwick says. Warwick might just say, oh, I'm having lasagna for tea and they'll put canned <laughs> laughter over it. That's not funny. It's, it's not a joke. It's just a statement. <laughs> There's genuine pain there. I can feel it. Oh, it's dis- it's it's... It's disgusting. And um, of course, my brother's working for home now, and he works in the room that has racing TV on. So I'm sat in the other room all day, typing away or training, and there's like, fucking Warwick Davis on in the background because I can't watch me racing. I'm not an happy man. I'm not an happy man. Uh, <laughs> 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 Moving away from that, Mike, you're, you're up first here again, pal. Uh, what is the most overrated aspect or fact or thing or anything to related with Cheltenham? Um, I didn't know which direction to go with this because I've never actually been to the festival. Um, so I just went with an overrated horse. And I haven't listened to your day four preview yet, so I'm very sorry if this touches a nerve. Uh, but Tritonic, I think that he is possibly the most overrated, overhyped horse for this year's festival. I think he's the only favourite on recency bias. Um, he beat the same horse twice. It was quite a weak Adonis. And Adonis winner was genuinely don't have the greatest record in the triumph like you only have to look at solo last year just to see how disappointing he was so i'm firmly in the zanahir camp and i apologize if anybody likes tritonic my blood oh. is boiling oh dear <laughs> <laughs> good job you're not giving the points away then <laughs> you've got you got away with that one mike gets points there for saying something that could look we'll know in five days time whether he looks like a complete moron or not so i get, <laughs> So I'm giving him points for putting his neck on the line and saying something <laughs> and taking an option that really more sensible people wouldn't have done. Uh, Michael Andrews, what about you, bud? I'm going to join my namesake here. I think Tritonic is absolutely overrated. <laughs> like That wasn't my point, but I'm going to jump into this bandwagon because I'm so on board with it. How many horses have won that race so easily and never turned out to be anything? I think Zubair did the exact same thing a couple of years ago. Beltor. Uh, uh, don't mention Zarkanda though. That um, you know that went the other way. I think you'll find. Um, <laughs> uh, no, the, 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 this was already alluded to, but my answer is without doubt the Boodles Fred Winter. Right? Let's let this is not funny. It's it's just a fact. Um, <laughs> so if you go back. So if you go onto their Wikipedia page for the horses that have won it since it was introduced um, disgracefully in 2005, um, <laughs> none none of them have got a Wikipedia page, which is A.K. that no person no no person that likes racing has felt the need to make a wikipedia page about any of these horses um there's a few i recognize you know you've got sanctuary in there not a bad horse but just remind me aramax what has he done since band of outlaws that kind of went one way veneer of charm i don't think that horse has been around flying tiger diego de Chamil, that went okay quilando don't remember it hawk high eh, flax and flare Un artiste, that one didn't do too bad. What a charm! Like these, this is a, this is the Cheltenham Festival. You, someone just mentioned, I think it was Mike just saying, the quality is is uh, underrated. Not in this race, it's not. Oh, but that, that, yeah, I like that as well because the the, the justification people, like Ruby was saying it last week. Yeah, well, it makes it takes all the rubbish away from the triumph. It don't make it good. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's, oh, it's just, it's so frustrating that this race survived 
and the novice chase went like genuinely uh, this is a race that would look great at Kempton on Saturday <laughs> nowhere else and like have, let's be honest who's heard of some of these horses running like I'm I know that a lot of you you're probably a bit more serious about your form and racing but do you genuinely recognize like the horses that run at Cheltenham should be horses you know and love and have followed for the season some of them I've never heard of in fact i'd say majority i've never heard of like that just should not be a race at cheltenham and it makes no sense versus all the other most of the others have a have a sense so if there's one race to go this was always top of my list and the fact it's still there is a disgrace <laughs> i can't believe burgundy man last seen beat an eighth of eight at fontainebleau isn't one of your favorite horses michael <laughs> <laughs> that sums it up so well and I'm not sure whether you've done it on purpose as well, but bringing up the Fred Winter, is that bringing back bad Roman the Sinan memories again, Will? Mm, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, I'm, I must admit I'm not enjoying this particular trip down memory lane. Um, <laughs> you know the ironic thing? I actually backed Roman de Sinan when he ran last time out and he was going brilliantly and he didn't stay in that big free world chase at Kenton, which I believe used to be known as the Racing Post chase. So good good fun all round. Good fun for my brain and my mind. Do <laughs> uh, you want to cheer yourself up a little bit then, mate, by having a good moan about something that's overrated? Um, yeah, okie doke, I'll go. Um, the big... You know what, actually? It's ironic, because I've just been talking about how big the tented village is um, at Cheltenham, but um, the big tented village, because, <laughs> because much of it is just it is just tat. L- lots of it is just really overpriced tat. And I'm not talking about the um, lovely paintings of horses. They are great artworks. And I'm not talking about... Um, some of the really lovely scars and accessories you can buy. I'm talking about what seems to be possibly the most random farmer's market in human history that seems to pop up there every year. And about 75% of all the stuff you will see in the tented village, and this is outside of the bars, which are good, right? I mean, you know, it's expensive there and all, but they're good. Um, And all of the artworks and stuff and the scars. It's, just all stuff. It's like a Harrods market stall. It's just stuff that you can't believe people would buy, that you can't believe people would sell outside. And I'm just amazed anybody makes a profit there. I'm just absolutely amazed anybody makes a profit there. Like it's especially with the economy of recent years. So no, it's definitely that tented village for me. I f- I find it fascinating. I mean, I I you know I I don't think I could ever buy anything that they're selling there but I do love walking around it and, and seeing all the all the nonsense that people will pay £400 for if they have it oh it's, it's a listen it's an amazing walk around and that village honestly um, one of the things that makes you sound about the festival is that everything goes so fast that you if you're really into your racing, you know, you're usually bolting off to watch each race and if not to get bets on or to work as we're doing um, because it is just one of life's great joys to just walk around there um, and sort of take it all in. But but my God, you know, like, literally, it's a Harrods car boot sale. It's a, it's a sort of car boot sale, actually, that Prince William and Kate Middleton would have, and I think that says it all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's like a zoo, but for the aristocracy. Yeah. 
I, I love being offered the ten percent discount you get at some of the <laughs> And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's really going to change my mind. I'm actually really considering this, buying this £400 painting now. That's such a good idea. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love it. I love it. The tent of the village. What a, what a, a bizarre, bizarre place. Uh, Jim, it's you and I, isn't it, pal? Yeah, to, to sort of soothe the pain, listeners of Jocked Off will know that I have severe flashbacks every night, waking up in the middle of the night to last year's RSA. Um, so for me, the most overrated aspect was Champs RSA last year. Um, to make me feel sort of better, um, the fact that Rachel Blackmore and Paul Townend kicked for home fairly early on to then have the pieces picked up and everyone now thinks that Champs going to win the Gold Cup is the most lunatic thing I've ever thought of in my life. And for that aspect, he is ridiculously overrated because he's named after AP McCoy. I think we've done four of these now, Jim, and I think you've brought the RSA up on every single one. I, I, I'm still not over it, all right? I'm still not over it. <laughs> At least we know who wins it this year. Up the King Monkfish. Uh, scores as they stand. Jim's got 16. Will's closed the gap a little bit at the top. He's on 19. Michael's on 24. And it's a narrow lead for Mike. With No, Michael's on 23. Mike's on 24. Oh, no. What a nightmare. Maybe I might give Michael a bonus point just because I said he's score on. Uh, <laughs> I'll take oh, it. I'll, I'll need every help I can get, I think. It's making things interesting. Who cares? It's not. I mean, I'm not giving anything away, am I? Uh, last two questions then. We're starting here with Will. Uh, and a little bit of news. I'm not sure whether anyone saw it, but the Pope went to Iraq last week. Uh, so give me the best similar situation in racing that made you immediately think, why is he there? This is an absolutely brilliant one. I'm going to give a couple. Um, firstly, um, this is a bit of a broad statement, but every single Fergus Wilson runner in either the Gold Cup or the Grand National <laughs> during the almost entirety of the beginning of the 21st century. There was a solid, like, decade and a half period, but really focusing on about four or five years, where he'd routinely just have 500 to one shots running in the Gold Cup and Grand National. Like, c- complete no-hopers. Like, even Spotlight wouldn't respect them. Um, the, you know, every day I remember getting a racing post and reading the Spotlight, it's like, has no chance. Zero, 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 zero. Um... One of the funniest things, actually, from the Grand National was just awkwardly trying to watch Jim McGrath give, like, half a bit of respect to the horses at 38 who has, um, you know, odds of 500, 500 to 1, probably 999 on these changes, and just um, seeing the absolute botched job that the BBC had to make of trying to give, um, you, you know, great background footage you know how in the grand national lead up they've got footage every horse doing something important or winning a trial whatever um you should really see what they had to scratch around for with the fergus wilson because my god (laughs) a lot of them had absolutely no right to be there so i'd probably say um fergus wilson runners in the major jumps races i I think you could extend that as well just to fergus wilson himself why is he still got any involvement with the sport if he does, and why didn't we let him stay for as long as we did? Arguably. 
It's, 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 I mean, he's it's just like a Harry Enfield character of the worst man in the world, but he's not a character, he's real. <laughs> that, I think that's very fair. Yeah. Fulmer Hacks there, uh, Will. Uh, Fergus, if you're listening, uh, fight me. Uh, Mike, what are you saying, mate? Um, Horse-wise, very similar angle to Will. Any William De Best Turner runner in any race ever. Poor Chicago socks. Uh, but my actual answer for this is Mark Hayes on the fashion bit of ITV like, <laughs> talking talking to racing fans about pink lace dresses in between the Malcolm and Sussex like what's the point I'm not going to look at a bloke with a yellow ribbon around his Panama hat and think do you know what he's just won me the next race he has thanks for the tip just doesn't make sense you know, do, do you remember when they first had Got Quan instead an actual famous one. Like, you could get away with that a little bit more. But, yeah, I, I don't, I, I, I wouldn't have known who Mark Page was if not for ITV. If you're going to have one, let it be Gok. And that's about as far as my racing fashion, uh, racing fashion knowledge. God, that would have a mouthful. Uh, goes, but yeah, I, I agree, Mike. I'd, I'd, I'd ban all that nonsense. Because it's the same when they used to have you know, Lucy Verasami is part of the ITV team. <laughs> you know, she, she, she's, she's not. She, she reads the weather out and the weather affects her racing. You know, it's, it's like having, having saying, oh, we're going to have Jamie Oliver or Gino De Campo here as part of the ITV racing team because they're selling food on course. Food that I can't afford, but food nonetheless. Yeah. We, we did have James Martin making a scotch egg. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've, I've blocked that out of my memory, mate. Was that, part that of, was that part of how to have a substantial meal at the races? <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, scotch eggs are one of the few items small enough I can fit into my pocket and sneak into the races, just in case I do get a bit hungry. Well, uh, I told you, mate, now it's all about the Cornish pasties, so if you, <laughs> if you save up, you can put it. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna lump on monkfish and have that for the Cornish pasty budget for next year. Yeah, if uh, you have a grand on, you should be able to afford it. Happy days. Happy days, Jimbo. Cast your mind back to the 2017 Cheltenham Gold Cup winner, Sizing John. You sat watching Robbie Power stand up in the saddle as he walks into an admiring winners' enclosure to see. I think his name's Richard Melia. Melia. Um, the man who appeared in multiple occasions walking <laughs> horses in and thinking, what's he got to do with the horse? And surely this is owned by Alan and uh, Anne and Alan Potts. What, what, why is he there? Um, also seen with like a butterfly walking in with the Supreme. And also seen behind John Gosden uh, right before the Art de Triomphe uh, at Longchamp in 2019. So uh, for me, it has to be Richard Melia as he is a weird character who seems to keep popping up in places even though he has bands. Is he overrated? What, what do you mean, overrated? Oh, that was the last question. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> you really slightly paying attention. <laughs> Professional as ever, lad. Professional as ever. No, do you know what? That's actually a perfect answer, Jim. You get full marks and bonus points. Uh, yeah, I forgot about him as well. But he done it, yeah, he did it a couple of times, didn't he? <laughs> Good lad. Uh, Michael, who are you saying, mate? 
Um, yeah, I've gone a bit more more recent um, because uh, this is actually inspired by my boyfriend. I have to say, he was the one who started this, and I just I just thought about it and I thought there's, there's, I couldn't think of anything better to to say than why is he there? Is anyone been following Oshin Murphy on uh, Instagram? Oshin, you know, why yeah. is he there? Oshin Murphy in Barbados. Why is he there? Oshin Murphy in Africa on safari. Why is he there? Oshin Murphy in insert country here over the last three months. Why is he there? Everyone else is on lockdown and he's on on holiday down in various different continents um, and hemispheres. So, yeah, I, I think nothing sums it up better than asking why is Oshin on tour of the world when there's meant to be this quite big, important pandemic going on? It's a fair question to ask. It's a fair question to ask. Moving on to the very last question, and three of the lads can still win it. Not Jim, sorry, mate. As, uh, as usual, tailed off at the back. Uh, but it's, it's tight at the top, and we're going to end it with, how are you going to make this year's Cheltenham from home one to remember? And Michael, you're going first, bud. Okay, I need to get my soundboard back up. Um, uh, I just thought, realistically, um, there's. I, I just couldn't really think about it. So I thought I'll end as I started. Um, and I just thought perhaps the best way to make this Cheltenham from home one to remember. And the fucking sex tonight, mate. <laughs> I just thought that's all I could do. I just there's. I don't really know how you're going to make it one to remember. Obviously, you could make it one to remember by scrapping the boodles and bringing back the novice chase. But that's but that's it. Otherwise, I'm just going to take Peter Casey's advice. <laughs> I, do you know what? I, I like I like the honesty of like, you couldn't come up with a good answer, so let's just play a clip that makes everyone laugh. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm a simple man, so you get points. Uh, Jimbo, what are you saying, mate? Now, Lewis, you know very well that for my 21st birthday, I had a cake that had lost in translation imprinted uh, on the front of it. So I'm thinking. I'm going to get a massive banner outside my door that says Happy Retirement, Colin Tizard, uh, which will hopefully then emulate into the fact that he'll have five, six winners at the festival uh, and hopefully make it one to remember by him recognising me on the social stable with me next to a massive picture of his face saying Happy Retirement. (laughs) Please do that. It's, it's going to have to be quite a quick turnaround, um, but I might look into it. Please do that. You can't you can't bring up the idea that you're going to put a banner out of your, outside your house for calling Tizard's retirement and then not go through with it, mate. You right. are you say you are the Pope of Tizardism. Yeah, I, I, I'm on my way now. I'll, I'm I'm on createmybanner.com. <laughs> What, what else are we adding to it? Is it, is it Tizard's face? Is it any of his horses? Is it just, just, Tizard, just Tizard's talk, face? Talk me through the design. Font, Comic Sans? It's just going to be basic aerial. Windy. It's, what, it's just going to be simple. Just a picture of his face. Happy retirement. And I might have just put Lost Winds All at the bottom. After he's pulled up in the Gold Cup. That's harsh. Oh. That's far too harsh. Sorry, mate. Sorry, me do love Lost on this podcast. Uh, Mike, what are you saying, buddy? Uh, I'm going to email Mark Hayes to come round and review my clothes every day. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm messing. Um, I don't know. I, I usually watch it every year at home with my dad and my granddad and 
sometimes go to the pub with my mates. Obviously, that's not going to happen this year. So might print out some paddy power signs, chop down a couple of trees, and re- recreate some life-size fences in my house just to jump over them for a bit of exercise. Fair enough, buddy. Fair enough. Uh, and finally, to round us off, Wilkajani. Um, so I'm going to do a couple of things to try and make this feel more like Cheltenham. Um, the first thing I'm going to do is set a really early alarm and uh, have a shower and stuff um, really early because that's what I do when I'm going to Cheltenham, um, even if I'm at home for it and travelling up there or even if I'm actually staying um, in the castles that week. I'm going to dress up like I'm going to Cheltenham. I'm also going to listen like this, to the Today programme, um, which always makes you feel like a big shot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because, you, no, because seriously, like it's the one week of the year where I'll count, right? So do important people shit. And <laughs> then um, after all the racing's been and gone, um, it will be a bit harder, I think, for me to get through, sadly, quite as many pints of Guinness so early, which is one of the things probably going to miss about it all. I'm going to go on a really lovely, really long walk through my valleys. I live locally near some valleys. Then I'm going to end up um, in the park and I'm going to have four cans of Guinness um, to signify what I've been doing after the National Hunt Chase anyway, which is probably having, whether I'd won or lost, Four pints of Guinness. I love it. I love it. I love that the answer is getting pissed in the park like a 14-year-old. <laughs> it, it can't be. If, if you're drinking in a park, it has to be Frosty Jacks, Will. I've got, I've got to be honest with you. Like, a cider, on Chel- a cider at Cheltenham Week, sure. But, mm, Frosty Jacks, <laughs> no. I haven't lost that. I haven't lost that much of my dignity yet. <laughs> it, it, might, it might be a goddamn panoramic, but no, uh, we have standards still. Oh, I, oh, I, those were the days, lads. Uh, thanks to all the lads for joining. And you know, it's a very, very tight field. I think it's probably the closest it's ever been. There's only five points between first and last. Jim, 26. Decent score, though, mate. And I say only five off winning. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. The standard is slowly increasing the more and more we do these so I'm going to really have to brush up next time we do it No, it's, it's, a, it's a fair point enjoy in second on 30 points Will and Michael and just by the sole point 31 racing with Mike, he's today's winner well done pal Wow, I feel honoured can't say I expected that after uh, the soundboard got whipped out on question one, I thought he was a shoo-in <laughs> I had I had my celebration music all all prepped, but I'll celebrate with you. Yeah, play tune. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's for you, Mike. Thanks very much. Oh, thanks so much to to Will, to Michael, and Mike for coming on with us. It's been an absolute pleasure, and he's given us some good laughs today. Uh, and thank you to Colin Tizard, number one fan and Master Chef runner-up James Watson. No problem. Thank you very much for hosting Lou. Yeah, I, I just get Lou as well, don't I, Jim? I just yeah. get Lou. All right. I'm not giving you anything back. No, it's all right. It's all right. I won't cry. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening as well. Thanks to Rating the Racers for their support. And thanks to the Tote uh, for backing us this Cheltenham as well. Make sure 
to sign up to our Talk League if you haven't already. The Goshen Spice Super League, the pin is 00020. Uh, all the links are on our Twitter. And thanks to all the lads for joining in once again. And we'll see you all again very soon. Have a good Cheltenham. See you soon. Stay safe. Stay safe and be good to each other. <laughs>